Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to another Heard At production of Wired Access Podcast. I am the host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left here, we have Elkhorn Athletic Association. Ona, how do you, how, what do you say? Executive Director. Executive Director, Bruce O'Neill. To his left, we have one of my famous co-hosts from the beginning, Mr. Wired Training Center, Brian Southworth. Welcome to the show, guys. I appreciate you coming out. How are you doing today? Fan flipping fantastic, Kendall. Thank you for and having for you, me. Here. I mean, if anybody watches this, they've been wondering where the heck you've been. How you been? I know man? it's been a while. It's been a while. Been uh in Arizona playing some ball and uh, how was that experience? Real quick, we got to at least touch on that. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. So we got went down there, caught a World Baseball Classic game. Probably the best game I've ever been to. There was no productions, right? It was just authentic baseball usa versus columbia going at it um the fans were so engaged like every i mean i'm getting goosebumps right now talking about Dude, it you my know, hair's just, already just going screaming on. usa you know <laughs> i mean it was it was awesome it was a great game they came back and won uh next day got a little behind the scenes tour with the cubs um Ooh. gotta go like in the dugout took my nine-year-old team in the dugout it was amazing. So these are experiences. If you have a baseball team out there and you're watching this, these are experiences that can happen, but it does take communication. It does take production. It does take backing. Let's, let's go ahead and start Bruce for yourself. Think of uh, when you were a child, you were playing baseball. What is it like when you think back to that age uh, that you can say that we're not even we're far in the further distance this well, year. Well, I think there's a lot of it. First of all, we're not playing baseball in jeans anymore. Oh, right. Because you remember one. going back to the day when your little league Arctic Circle or, yeah. you know, the Ace Hardware and you were wearing jeans and, just and you had the local shopping market on your, yep. on your shirt. Yeah. And you had those little plastic gloves that came with it. Come on. So man. if you think about those experiences back in the day, now again, I'm a farm kid from Nebraska. So I grew up milking cows. And the idea of getting into the city in Lincoln, where I, where I went to high school and playing ball with all those big city kids, that was pretty fun. Now, those experiences have translated into kind of the way I look at youth sports now, right? Because now with everything that we have, the technology that's included, the equipment that's in there, we've got um, at Elkhorn Athletic Association, we have 1,800 kids playing recreation baseball and softball. Those 1,800 kids look like big leaguers. I mean, with, they've got sublimated jerseys. I mean, it is unbelievable what these rec kids look like, You're like on the field. Is this rec or select? The parents are having yeah. distinguished issues. The one thing that I can say, obviously my kids are older now, but I remember about five years ago, roughly, Elkhorn had this explosion. Yep. yep. Uh, in one way, from a coach's standpoint, from my standpoint as a basketball coach at the time, I saw it as... Uh, they kind of watered down some of the the sports. Mm -hmm. And another, I think it's more of, if you look at on your aspect, it's more of let's get these kids up to speed more than it is the watered down because we saw teams kind of dismantle, break apart, still part of the EAA, but they didn't have all-stars on one team. They had a couple here, a couple yep. there. Um, how long have you been with Elkhorn Athletics? So this fall will be my fifth year. I'm a retired corporate guy. Weird. This is what I do for fun, right? <laughs> so 
Like, Hold on, say that louder. This is what I do for fun. And this is what I do for fun. Yeah, exactly. See, when you have these yeah. things, it's easy, right? That's it's not what, a job. That's exactly right. And so, yeah, about um, about four and a half years ago, I had this conversation with some cat named Eric Crouch. Never and, heard of him. And uh, Jason McDonald, who were the co-founders of EAA. And I told him I was going to retire, and I wanted to come be a part of their board and just get, get involved. And and we talked for about six or seven months, and, and we talked about leadership. We talked about development, and then we talked about sports. Well, before we get into further of yep. that, here's a little clip. Eric Crouch letting you know what it was like when he joined back about five years ago and what it means to have him a part of the team. Uh, my name is Eric Crouch, and uh, I'm part of EAA um, by really being an original uh, founder uh, uh, of the uh, organization, uh, along with Jason McDonald. And, you know, I guess my vision for uh, EAA was that, uh, you know, we would, we would bring all sports together. I think the community of Elkhorn had many different groups and associations. There was separate softball and soccer and baseball and football and flag football. And there was just, it was time Elkhorn was, was growing a lot and still is. But that was kind of the vision is, um, you know, how do we create a, a community, uh, an organization that's, that's helpful for the community that is more of one place to go and trust um, that they we're going to take care of their kids the right way. And, and um, you know, that, that's important to me. And also what's important is that, uh, you know, we are uh, kid focused. You know, we're really focused on what's best for the kids. It's not, you know, what's best for the coaches or what's best for the adults or uh, those are also very important uh, as well as their, you know, their parents of our kids here. So, and, and it is community, but we really focus on trying to do the best. And when I say that, we're looking at things like safety and um, sustainability of the organization and, you know, just bringing in people that, that uh, really care about the kids first. And I think with that in mind, typically we've got a lot of people making great decisions. All right. So now he's explained a little bit of what it meant to him. What did it mean to you to get into something that big and grow it to where you are yeah. today? Well, again, uh, the key part for me in this, Kendall, was about development, leadership. You know, we all know that very few of these kids are going to, one, go on to play college or two, go on to um, be pros, you know, the shortstop for the Cubs or the starting point guard for the Seattle Storm women's basketball team. So for me, it was about development, right? My 25 years of corporate life was all about HR and leadership Ooh, and development, man, right? the HR. But the thing that I like with the HR is there's the whys. And, I always, and you're going right through them. And I, I always say I'm unconventional HR. So my job was to try to break every convention in HR when I was in my corporate life. So there you go. Oh, okay. That so, explains so, a lot. That so. explains a lot. So obviously, one thing that you have talked and, and we've seen is you guys have a new facility. Yeah. Did you guys break? get to start yeah. here in the spring? Yeah, we broke ground. I, but I do want to come back, Kendall, to the rec part of this, right? Ooh, so, right. So we talked about those uniforms. We talked about those kids and those 1,800 kids. And you talked about what select sports is today. So 75% of EAA with about 8,000 or so registered athletes, 75% of them are recreation. Okay. Right? So we have very you know, serious competitive top of the house teams, but our focus is really to be in the community and meet those kids where they are. So when you think about having 1,800 baseball, softball players, or a thousand kids that are playing rec basketball, and mom and dad aren't paying 10 bucks every time they come and watch Sally or Johnny or Bobby play. AAU basketball, 20 bucks. 
I was waiting for an amen from the crowd on that one, but oh man, but but part of this is the partnership that we have with the public schools and then with our sponsors who allow us to do those kinds of things. So I think that's an important outreach for us, right? To be able to use that rec to develop those kids, let them learn to love the game, and then that passion takes them a long way. So I will tell you, Kendall, there are a few kids on some of the high school teams around that when I was coaching them at at eight U recreation baseball. They were the best daisy pickers and dirt mound makers you've ever seen. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because everybody <laughs> says every kid has a right teacher, a right coach, a right foundation. Yeah. Um, even you probably deal with it out there. Families that have multiple kids yeah. playing multiple sports. Parents having to work two jobs. No matter whether you live in Elkhorn, Omaha, Papillion, the story is the same on that part. Families get into sports, give their kids activities. You're teaching them not just the sport, but up to the life lessons. What are some of the things that you really enjoy seeing happen in your organization being given out and some of the, the future uh, athletes? Yeah. But also, like you said, not many that can go on to college and pros, but these are going to be the future leaders in this area and beyond here. What is that like? We talk about this all the time and we impress upon it in every coach's meeting, which is you're helping these kids build habits, right? Habits around overcoming, habits around teamwork, habits around challenging themselves. You know, all of those habits that will help them be successful later in life is exactly what we focus in on. And then the character counts, right? We talk about character counts all the time. So whether it's our coaches' characters, our players' characters, and then, you know, all of the value system, it's more than just lip service. We really believe it. Um, we talk about being for the kids all the time. And I always use this in every coach's clinic. I use a metaphor to talk about you close your eyes and listen to that voice of that coach who made you want to quit something. And then I say, listen to that voice of that coach that made you want to work extra hard, run through a wall. And I tell every coach, be that voice. And so those are the kinds of things we're doing because that translates in academics. It translates in athletics. I mean, these kids are going to be something else. They're going to be kids in the classroom. They're going to be kids that are bankers. They're going to be doctors. They're going to be lawyers. They're going to be carpenters. Build those habits now through sports, and that's the fun stuff. That's what I get geeked up about. Well, and, and, and Brian, obviously, you made a big change this year. Uh, you took your team and, your, and your, some of your parents brought on some new ones. What is it like to be a part of the Elkhorn Athletic Association? Um, because every association does good things, right? But there's always something that goes, okay, this is why I am where I am at this time. It, it doesn't make anything in the past yeah. terrible, doesn't tear down anybody, but right now you feel you're in the right position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, listen to him talk about that. I mean, how lucky is Elkhorn to have Bruce leading this, you know, the facility, the teams, and, and everything else? I mean, um, everything you said is exactly what drew us over to Elkhorn. You know, they prioritize development, building leaders, on and off the field skills. And he's not lying. That's the first thing that's talked about in meetings. Baseball, softball, like all that secondary. How can we make these kids better? Um, and how can we build a place for all athletes? You know, not just select, not rec, provide an awesome experience for these kids um, and it shows and everything they do. Um, and, you know, every like they make it affordable for people. That's the big thing. We're talking about, you know, $20 enter an AAU tournament. You know, dude, I, mean, I got a family of six. Five of us would be watching. It is a, <laughs> it's the hardest thing to muster on a weekend yeah. because they also sucker you into, hey, yeah, it's 20 bucks a day. But don't worry, you got one game Friday. One on Sunday, but you got two on Saturday, so that will make up for the time. 
So when you look at that, Brian, obviously you're talking about the money aspect. How does this get relatable and how does it make it able so you can do like the Arizona trip? Because those are also something you have to find the affording for as well. Yeah. I mean, well, being a nonprofit, I mean, they have one person that's just in charge of going and raise funds to you know, help offset, offset costs, you know, bring other companies in, help like provide opportunities for the athletes or buy equipment. So I think, you know, a big piece of having like a fundraiser person and, and having this nonprofit that's doing good things helps offset the cost a, a lot. And we, and we talk about that all the time, Kendall. And, and even in my staff meeting this morning, we talked about, you know, we're just stewards of parents' money. That's all we are. You know, we want to entrust all of those parents to have their kids come and play with us. But to do that, we have to show them that we're being provident and responsible with that, right? So that's a big part of what we're doing, and, and Brian nailed it. And, and when I, you talk about that aspect in the Omaha area, it's obviously a heated subject mm-hmm. for certain areas. Yeah, absolutely. How did your organization handle and uh, try to correct the path of people's thoughts when it came to an organization that does do basketball, baseball, and all these sports? Yeah. Um, if there is other associations that are not fit in the build that you're trying yeah. to sell. So I, th- I think it came from the leadership. Uh, the you know We have a board of 13 folks, most of which don't have parents in the organization. They're business leaders in the community, again, founded by Eric Crouch and, and Jason McDonald. And that board has been very clear about why we're here. We're here for the kids, right? And I subscribe to that. And here's the other thing I always tell everybody is, I really don't care where kids play sports. I don't care. I just want them to play. I don't care if they play for other organizations, but I'm hyper competitive. So where do we want to win? We want to win with every parent when they have entrust their kids experience to a sports organization that they feel like they're getting something out of it. So I just love sports. I love the kids playing sports. I think there's lots of lessons, good and bad in lots of different places. So I just want them to play. The thing I've seen that's different from a lot of the, like other organizations I've talked to is just kind of their decision-making process. You know, I mean, they're going to make decisions. What's, in the best interests of the players, the athletes. Um, and I think some people lead with other things first, you know, like how does this fit in overall, you know, budget or other things like, Hey, if this is the best thing we can do for the players and we can fit this in. I, I think they just look at things a little bit differently than a lot of organizations. And it's interesting to have that perspective because right. I'm on the inside looking out, right. I'm the one navel gazing, right. Looking yeah. at my belly button here. <laughs> so yeah, to get some perspectives like Brian's and others have shared similar, similar things. It's, it's a little bit reinforcing of kind of some of the things we're doing. Just one quick story. We had a, a lady come into the office yesterday who was a sister of a parent who was looking for something like my sister sent me here to pick something up or like, okay, what sport is it? I think it's baseball might be soccer. I, literally the entire office got up to try to figure out how to help this lady. Like that's just, that's that servant leadership mentality. Like how do we get her out of here with what she needs to help her sister get what they need for their kid? And we finally figured it out. It was some soccer equipment, but it was a long journey to get there. But good on her for just taking the text from her sister to show up. Hey, and, and knowing <laughs> and and the good thing is, is these are the stories that regulate through not just Elkhorn, but beyond. Yep. Um, it's all about the experience. It's did I feel like I got the best bang for my buck? Did I feel the support? So obviously some of the things that are harder to find as we get older and as things develop is coach finding coaches becoming hard the only reason i asked is because when my kids were younger um i never volunteered because i had four kids yep um i also like to see my kids go under the direction of someone else because that's what they're going to have to do 
when they get older. I hate to say it. I, I just, that just wasn't my idea. So I decided to respond to an email for a rec soccer team at one time for my daughter. And they go, I said, I can't coach, but I'd love to help. And they go, here's your new head coach. How do you go about those <laughs> things and find the right coaches? Because I'm not saying I don't find the right tools because yeah. I know how to, yeah. how to find the right people. Connections mean everything. Yeah. But I for sure don't want to be called the head coach if I can't even uh, 150% explain every part about soccer. Now I can get kids to be in the right area. I can lead kids. I can lead in a, a whole town. But I, I'm not going to self-sell what I don't know. Sure. How do you do that amongst your organization? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we do, Kendall. One is we have highly proficient directors leading each sport. That's first. Two, they're all very credible in what they do. And then when those coaches come in, one, the younger coaches oftentimes will get peered with mentor coaches at the older level, especially at the rec level, and sometimes at the select level. So we do development. We've got development plans. And we do a nice job of partnering with experts like Wired to basically say, here's some things that you can go to. Go watch when we have camps. Coaches, come watch those camps. Watch these experts work with these kids. You can pick up drills and fundamentals. So coach camps, coach clinics, um, coach meetings. The first step is always the coach meeting. So we've set the right expectation, right? This is not about you. It's about these kids, right? Right. Because no one's going to remember your 8U baseball record or softball record or basketball no, record. No, But they're going to remember if those kids wanted to come back and love the game. But we are so incredibly thankful for all of those volunteer coaches. We have over a thousand volunteer coaches at any one given time that are helping out. And so of course you gotta do the prudent stuff, right? The, the HRE kinds of things to make sure that everybody's passing background checks and go through safe sport and all those other kinds of things, which we require. And sometimes that feels like a hard line when you say, Hey, you guys can't practice today because your coach hasn't completed his stuff. And parents go, well, what? But we do rely very heavily on volunteers, but we hold that line very, very tight. Um, and at the end of the day, it is about the volunteer coaches because you couldn't do it without it. And you know that. Exactly. And then obviously the next portion of that. So you go from coaches, you already said and talked about the players, how, or how do you go about the referees, the umpires yeah. and stuff like that? Because in this day and age, I could tell you from my own experience, I've tried to get my kids into uh ref and sports, because if you play sports, you love sports, ref and it's just as much as love until the parents take it the other way. How do you keep those refs? How do you keep the same people around to keep it going? Well, I think there's a couple of things we've done. One is we tell the parents, like you say, just like with coaches, don't be the reason these kids don't come back. And especially with younger coaches, it's just like their kid playing baseball on the other side. These younger coaches are learning and developing, so they need grace too, right? So that's part of it. And then you just pay them well. These young kids want to make money. I did the math the other day on the number of games, a cost per game. So if, a, if an umpire at, the, at our rec level could do two, uh, 2,080 hours, meaning that was their full-time job, yeah. they'd make 70 grand a year. And that's at umpiring. That's umpiring. Say that louder. Seven, umpiring? 70 grand at umpiring if they could work eight hours a week for 52 weeks a year. So that would be more than if I went and was like a door person at, at a local You're store. making 30 to 40 bucks an hour. Right, depending upon the game you do. And so I want to give credit to our umpire. We've got a new umpiring manager or director inside, um, Laurel Reinke. She has literally scheduled already all of our umpire games. She did, she trained over her and uh, Eric trained over 200 uh, umpires in the offseason for our rec program that we do in house. 
and all but the 14 new games have all been assigned, scheduled, and ready to go. And this morning when she told me that in the staff meeting, I almost fell out of my chair. The thing I like, too, about the umpires is they're getting, like, younger kids involved, high schoolers. Which is hard. Because um, I lost my – two of my daughters lost it because they were they were refing a third-grade CYO league basketball. And the cops had to be called because the coach couldn't handle themselves and couldn't handle the parents. And I could tell you my my 17-year-old daughter, who's a teacher now in the public service, like – she is for sure right on. She is the 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 umpire you want because she's all about the right things, not just making it about her. Right. But to see that having to have the cops called, like I can't even. They don't even want to do it no more, right. and that that breaks my heart because, like you said, if you're busy with school, if you're busy with sports, umpiring or refereeing is the easiest way because yep. you're right there. Yeah. yeah. And and as part of that community, we talk about the coaches, right? Each coach has a responsibility to be gracious with the umpires and want them to come back and parents the same way. So I think those are all things that we talk about when we talk about being in the community or the club of EAA, you have just as much responsibility for the, the umpires as you do your own kids in development. Right. So there's some of that emphasis and it sounds pretty Pollyanna, right? It sounds, Oh, this is great. Everything is unicorns and rainbows, but um, we do put that emphasis on them and it's not always going to be perfect. Awesome. Well, we're talking about baseball, softball, all the sports. Let's talk to John small about what, he does the EAA sports softball and baseball. John Smalls, go ahead and share what you do. Well, and I have been coaching for around 25 years. I first started coaching um, uh, for Blair High School right after I graduated from Wayne State. Started coaching uh, baseball, softball, and basketball. So for about 25 years. So I am the senior director of baseball and softball. Uh, Part of, I, you know, I, I overlook the um, Quake softball, prime baseball, and all of our rec softball futures programming. Bruce and Eric and Jason are, are great. You know, one of the things Bruce always says is he wants EAA to be a place where all kids can play. And so my goal is really to make that baseball and softball experience for the kid and family, families in our organization, a, a great experience. And just always looking for ways to enhance uh, the programming that we do here at EA for those for those athletes and families. All right, so now we've listened to Eric talk, we've listened to John talk a little bit. Now let's get to some of the meat and potatoes of what you brought to the Elkhorn area. You brought in the one thing that I can say: the only reason I go to Des Moines is because they have complex after complex after complex. Parents in the select sports get upset because they normally travel to Des Moines. Or Kansas City, what is your goal here, and what's going on with your guys' association to change that? Yeah, so having been away from Nebraska for 20 years in my corporate life, and then to come home to Nebraska 10 years ago and see these kids playing on the same fields that I played on when I was running around here, I was a little disappointed by that. But the vision really started in advance with, again, Eric and Jason knowing that there was a need. And so when I first joined, they said, hey, we, we need a field. We need a complex uh, because we just don't have them. Um, and then I got to experience that by playing my entire 14U select season with my, the team I was coaching. We didn't play one in-state tournament. We went somewhere else for every one. So we know that we have a deficiency. We know Nebraska is way behind in the number of facilities. And if you do go to Des Moines, you know, you've got six, six complexes within a 50-mile radius. And we are just behind. So... 
part of that was deciding that we were going to do it. We're going to be in the, the, I always call it the tip of the spear, even as a nonprofit, this complex that's being built is the, which is called the MD West one sports complex in Valley, Nebraska is not just an EAA complex. I mean, it's going to be a complex. We're going to be a consumer of it, but it's going to be a complex that other organizations are going to be able to use because we need one like that in Nebraska. And I think that need is being somewhat recognized by some of the legislative stuff that's out there. There are bills out there now to get sales turned back tax and things like that, that will support it, but it's going to be an arms race here pretty soon because everybody and their brother wants to build one. Well, and, and while you say that, obviously you guys are ahead of the curve. You're headed in the right direction. What's going to make this the destination, especially when the fact of you have slump busters that comes here for college world yeah. series, which no matter what anybody says, having all them teams here and knowing that, yeah. yes, it's in Omaha, but they have to play half their games across the bridge just to make so we have enough fields. That's got to affect not just the area, but just even to want to come to Omaha. Yes. I mean, when I was in Arizona, I had two teams. I had an Arizona team come up to me and a Colorado team. They're like, hey, what do you think of the Slump Buster tournament? You know, I mean, it's awesome. We play in both sessions. So, but they're like, man, we just hear the fields are not good you know it's hard it's heartbreaking right yeah it's like yeah like truthfully like that's probably fair i mean there's so many teams you have to spread teams out um complex are a little old but you know world series is is worth it like you should come yeah so so when this complex gets up and running you know we're gonna have 16 baseball softball fields we're gonna have six soccer fields um, and we're going to have a, what's called a barrier free field or an all play field for kids with disabilities so that we can do our adaptive sports. And when that thing is up and running in the next seven years, fully operational, we'll have phase one completed by the end of this fall, which will be six soccer fields and one quad. Um, and there'll be larger fields so that we can play. You, know, you always play smaller. You can't always play bigger, right? Correct. If and, you don't make it the right, right size right. first, you, there's no going back. And so, but once it's up and running, you know, you're talking about, and these stats came from Visit Omaha and the Omaha Sports Commission, not from EAA, but you're going to have over a million participants coming, you know, visitors to the site a year. That's second only in Douglas County to the, to the Henry Dorley Zoo. And so it's going to be a large destination attraction, and we need multiple of these in this area. We don't, it's not just about this one, it's about multiples. Um, so what's going to make it attractive and appealing is one, it's easy access to get to, it's around a major corridor. Um, there's going to be bars and restaurants and hotels around it. So the, the concept is live, play, shop, right? So that's the kind of the key part around this. Stay and play. Well, and, and while you say that, obviously we have seen in the area where flooding has affected the up and coming uh, complexes. There was yep. a one by Offit that is now owned by another Herd at Productions, PSOA. Um, so they own it down there. They yeah. built it up last year. There was obviously the flood that took yeah. out where people couldn't even get to weeping water and all that. Does those things affect where your land is? Sure. That's great. Great question. I love that question because in 2019, when we had the floods in that area, we got the aerial photography from, from Valley in that whole area. And from, uh, the, was it March 16th to like March 21st, when the flood was at its height, this property only had about a quarter of it with any standing water on it. And so it really made it super attractive for us, one, because during the height of the flood, they were using it to bring people in because it was dry. Nice. And so that's the first thing. It's flat as a pancake. That's the other thing. And we have dirt on it to raise it. So we're raising the whole complex 
three feet to make it above the FEMA flood level. So now, now you've got even more risk tolerance because now it can take a bunch of rain and shed it. So we've done a nice job. We've got great partners grading it right now. So if you go out there now, there is dirt flying and trucks going, uh, which is really, really exciting. But we've alleviated that question, comments, concerns about it being flooded by raising the whole complex by three feet. Now, as far as I think one of the hardest thing as a parent, um, if they're watching this, one of the hardest things is the in and out going mm -hmm. through the complexes. Um, one, there's either not enough entrances, not enough ways out. What have you guys thought of out there? Obviously, Valley isn't Omaha. Valley's right. not La Vista. Valley's not Bellevue. So those are main streets everywhere, and sometimes you get stuck. Yeah. What have you guys thought about Valley, especially if they're trying to expand? Mm -hmm. So I, there's a couple of things in there. What We heard this loud and clear when we did our feasibility study. Uh, one, parking, bathrooms, and concessions were you know, three of the big things that we heard about. So this complex is going to have over 3,000 parking spots. Uh, the, the detailed restrooms and concessions and stuff will come a little bit later. But when you look at, it's right on a diamond leaf exchange. So it's uh, highly visible off of 275 as you go into it. And then there's uh, ingress and egress both on the south side and the north side. And there's enough room in there for traffic flow around the complex that um, we've been working with our engineers at Lamprey Nearson to make sure that we have traffic flow, plenty of parking. Those are first and foremost, a lot of these complexes around here are built in places where there's just space. Like we got to engineer this. Is, is that why you guys went where you went? Because obviously everybody, you know, to me, I'm like yep. yourself. You go to Des Moines, that's the center point. But 50 miles around yep. is where you know you're playing and you're okay with it. You never complain. You never yep. go, gosh, we got to go to Urbandale. Ah, we got to go here. So what I take, and maybe I'm wrong here, but you're trying to make Valley where it's just as close to Omaha as, as you feel when you go to Des Moines? Well, I think the travel distance is easy, right? Because it's straight up Dodge. So that's one. Two, the reasons we chose this location is one, it's pancake flat. Two, um, the cost of the, the ground per acre. So we were able to buy 260 acres. We couldn't have bought a sliver of that if we were, you know, inside the Omaha city limits. So affordability had a lot to do with it. And the fact that we had space that we could plan for expansion and growth. And then the fact that there's ease of movement along that 275, we just think that it's a great location. We did all the NDOT studies and looked at it. So I think location was great. Cost was great. Ability to expand was great. And the fact that we could design the entire area and complex for the MD West One Sports Complex from the ground up. Well, and if, if I'm a, as they say, old timer from Valley, what's some of the opposite side that you're hearing and how do you counter that? Especially since if I'm thinking... And I don't need to be from Valley, but I'm thinking because I see it in, in Papillion. There's only so much farmland that we could keep building on to where what am I going to do when I want corn? How does this stuff? And I'm not <laughs> saying this is a cornfield, but how do those local Soybean. farmers see this as affected? Because so, obviously you need you do need yeah. places for these kids. So change is always hard, right? Change yes. is hard, right? So I think there's a couple of things to our advantage. One, being a farm kid from Nebraska myself. Right. Walking in, I can I, I can empathize and understand what that looks like. So I can have that relatable conversation around that. Now, I still have a 300 plus acre farm today that, you know, that we have. And so I understand what that looks like. I think the other part about it is with the things that they complain about are the same things anybody would in change in a small town is traffic and, you know, people coming to town. And what does this mean? And something going to, you know, are they going to move people out and take over I'm not their gonna businesses? Lie, I like the lakes out there, so yeah. I don't blame them for complaining. I mean, those are yeah. some nice 
nice little areas. But that area is growing. Things are growing west. It's the largest, single largest growing community in the state of Nebraska, you know, off the backside of the plateau in Doug, in Douglas County in, in Valley. It's the largest growing community. So I think we got lucky in the location. But I think when you talk to the city council, when you talk to the area folks and you're doing fireside chats or, you know, town halls, you talk to them about what it means for opportunity. What does it bring to the community? It brings more restaurants. It brings more choice. It brings more opportunity. It brings an incredible tax basis, right? That otherwise they wouldn't have. They've got so much growth going on out there right now. They're working on a new water treatment plant and a new fire station. And all of those things can be helped paid for by these tax dollars coming in to create that infrastructure for these municipalities that it's, and that's significant because otherwise what would, what would, what would go out there, right? Some other businesses. Yeah. But the, what's going to attract, attract a million people. <laughs> a big plot of land. With right. A lot, a lot of, of sports complexes on it. That's right. And, and, and it's, it's just the fact of having the availability for the kids. Obviously you have the facility. What's, is there going to be like, are you going to have a building there for like an office building? Is there yeah. stuff like that that people can refer to? Yep. So there are things like that. I mean, again, you can go out to the Elkhorn Athletic Association website and find all the details from what the, the stuff that's going to be out of there. But one of the things that I want to draw, go back to, Kendall, real quick is this notion of blending bucolic and urban, right? So, again, being a farm kid from Nebraska who went to Lincoln High School, right? I went from milking cows in the morning to one of the – the, the, the largest multi um, socioeconomic uh, diverse high schools in the state of Nebraska at the time in the eighties. And I have always said this, and I picked this phrase up a long time ago, which is social bridges, right? Sports create social bridges. They create a place for everybody from different walks of life, different experiences to come together to play sports. And you can learn a lot from people from different places that are coming to play and just having that experience so I think that's one of the big things Valley sh should have to look forward to is the fact that Valley is going to be the epicenter for creating some amazing social bridges for Nebraska. Um, and I get really passionate about that, I, the, what that can mean. So, so when you talk about the forum kid who shows up in his cowboy boots, talking about, you know, very significant uh, economic advantages and development for the community and, and my home state of Nebraska, right? Those are important things to think about. What can those social bridges mean from getting that kid from UTAN who's playing with that kid from South Omaha? Right? How fun is that? How great of an experience can will that be for those kids? You know, there was always a basketball tournament that I love to go. We didn't get to do the the baseball down in Arizona because of COVID. My son missed it out twice. But one of the funnest basketball tournaments that uh, we used to do with the Junior Titans is thanks to Coach Josh Luth is we would always go to Kearney. Okay, someone's like Kearney, that's not far. But the cool thing about Kearney is from being all the way on the east, we played all the way a team from the from the West Coast, Scott's Bluff, who can just see across the way and see into Colorado with just coming out of their store doorstep. The best part of it is that's a whole different atmosphere. It's not even the same as a city kid, and I hate to say it, but they don't care. They want to win. They're mm -hmm. there to mm -hmm. put your face in the dirt yep. and show that, yeah, you can live in this big city, right. but understand what I'm coming from. And like you said, whether it's a farm, whether it's 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 the actual having a milk in the cow it's it's a whole different environment than me just going home, putting on the TV, watching the TV, watching cartoons, obviously, if you're a little kid. But I'm just saying, like, the whole different living style is different. So then when it comes to the playing field, you kind of gain a little more uh, a little more pride in what you do. And yep. you're like, OK, these people have nothing to lose. That's why you see them play the way they are. Mm -hmm. You're amongst 
let's say an organization of 6,000 kids, you're just one kid, but they're like one of 25 for the whole organization, you know, and it means more to them. How are you going to do that with the growth that you guys are doing out in Elkhorn? How are you going to make that feel more of the connection that you said between the old school Bruce and the Bruce that's seeing what's coming together to make Valley actually more part of the area instead of just the outliers. And and I think the the word I used earlier in this conversation, Kendall is community, right? Sports is a community. Our neighborhoods are communities. It's, it's a community of folks all working together for a common cause. And if we can stay rooted in our communities, right. With everybody understanding what this means, that sports are kind of a foundational element to all of this stuff. I think that's how we do it, right? We just keep it authentic. We keep it real. We keep it in that in the community. And, and that community is a broad term, right? That could be a regional community. That could be a state community. That could be an Elkhorn community. That could be a Valley community. But it's community, right? Sports is a community. And how do you connect communities? Anyone? Social bridges. Bring that ball out. Baby, Bring look that at that. See how I brought it together right there? <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Well, let's let's go get you out of this because obviously we, we want to make sure that your time is is appreciated and you got places to go. When you think back to when you retired and where you are today and 10 years in the future, can you compare the three and where, where you feel you're going to be at? Um, so without telling a long story, about a decade ago, I read a book from a guy named Bob Buford called Halftime. And this halftime book has a sports metaphor to it. It's like, what do you do in the halftime of your life, right? And for me, that book resonated in a way where I said, okay, you know, I've done the corporate thing. I've chased what I call the brass ring, right? And, and, but I really want to spend the second half of my life figuring out how I go from success to significance and leaving something as a legacy in this community. And that isn't really just me. I just get to be a catalyst for everybody else who has that vision already because it started before I got here. But it resonated with me. It says, yeah, I want to put my time and energy in this. So if we can leave, because I'm passionate about our home state, I'm passionate about Nebraska. I, I left urban communities in Seattle, Washington to bring my kids back here to raise them for a reason. So, I'm, so that legacy that we leave is going to be the important part. And rallying that community to help do that and look back 10 years from now and go, hey, there's Bruce with his sombrero hat on, sun hat, driving around on a golf cart, telling stories to kids from Biloxi, Mississippi that are up here playing ball. I want to be that crazy old codger. Like, you remember when we were up in Nebraska and that guy had that big sun hat on driving around that golf course? Just telling, he told stories about soybeans and corn. And I want to be that guy that says, this is what we're doing it for. So these kids have amazing experiences. And I I say that in, in all authenticity. That's truly my goal 10 years from now that these kids have something. I've heard the golf cart thing several times. I can attest to that. That's, so that's so is it going to be like the Bobby Bowden of, of Nebraska? hundred <laughs> percent. Where, where you knew he was around because of his hat, like right. you, his hat, like you Trotsky, knew. like Nate Trotsky. Exactly. I, wanna be, I, I stole it from, I want that Nate Trotsky hat, right. To just be on my golf cart and just tell stories to kids as, Hey, come on, I'll get you to your field. Jump on. Well, if people want to be a part of EAA, where do they find you guys? What are some of the contacts? What's some things yep. maybe you might even still need some, uh, not help, but I mean, it's always welcome. Everything's yeah. welcome, right? Yeah. So again, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Really appreciate that. Elkhornathletics.org is where you can find out. Um, Joe Greco is our development officer. He does a great job with our uh, amazing sponsors. Um, we've got still inventory to sell on the complex. Um, we still got partnerships that can be had. And what that allows us to do is keep our costs low. 
right? When, when those sponsors get involved, they extend their community connections out. Uh, that is super important because it helps drive everything we do. So elkhornathletics.org is a great place to do it. Joe Greco is the man. And if you've got a business that, you know, you want to be a part of youth sports and have it done the right way, we're happy to have that conversation with you and be a part of it. Well, I got, man, I, I feel like I want to run through that. It's like every so often, Ryan, we get these interviews and like the energy is just so you don't even want to end, but you know, you have to end. Ryan, what does it mean now that you have rolled a little bit out West from where I see it? I mean, I used to mow your lawn and everything, but you know, now I'm not coming out to Elkhorn to mow your lawn. I'm sorry. Yeah, this but. man, he's what got me out here. No. So, I mean, just, you know, learning a lot more about their organization, their goals, what they want to do for kids. Um, and then seeing just the quality of kids in Elkhorn. I mean, I had to be a part of it. So that's what got me out of there. Well, once again, for Herd App Production, I'm DJ K-Dub Omaha. This is Bruce O'Neill from EAA. And then we have Brian Southworth from Wired Training Center. Thank you again for your time. Have a great day. A Herd at Sports Network production.